It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord and the church said amen. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord and the church said amen. So glad to have you here worshiping God with us. As always on our big celebratory days, we've got some treats for you after this. You're going to go home with a little sugar high. I'm excited about that. How about you? And so that's happening today. We're also, we're also in a great series, third week of The Struggle is Real. And it's been an exciting couple of weeks. And it's, we're going to keep diving deeper into some of the challenges we face in our lives. And week number one of the series, we talked about how to deal with fear, because fear is false evidence appearing real in our lives, that the enemy is always trying to throw in a little lie or a what if, and I don't know how it's going to work out. And if you have any issues with fear, can I encourage you to go back a couple of weeks and grab a hold of that message, because there's so much truth in there, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, what? But a power, love, and a sound mind. That was week number one of the series. The second week, Pastor Corey. Can we give it up for Corey Foshi? Come on, bring God's word last week. Excited for him to share God's word. And we talked about kind of just dealing with anxiety, right? Just uh, letting go of some of these things in our lives. Today in week three of this series, we're going to, I'm going to try to help you to offload some stress. Anybody ready to offload some stress, some, uh, some extra things that you've been carrying for way too long? I want to help you to offload some of the things that don't need to be in your life any longer. I also want to echo something that Corey said last week as we dive into areas of anxiety and stress and trauma in our lives. I always want to remember to tell you to listen to your doctor, right? Listen to your doctor. I think every person needs a medical doctor. Every person needs a therapist and every person needs a pastor in their lives because you are spirit soul and body. Y'all hearing this? You're a spirit, soul, and body. And your spiritual life, your faith life is the glue that holds your emotional life and your physical life together. So many people without a spiritual life, their emotions start driving them to places they don't need to go. So many people without a spiritual life, their bodies call all the shots. If I just feel like doing it, that's what I'm going to do. We believe here at One Hope Church that you should encourage and build up every part of your life. You should be healthy, spirit, soul, and body. But there's only one area that really has the power to change the emotional life, your soul, and to touch your body and to help you to change the trajectory of your life. That is your spiritual life. And so good job on Hope Church. Come on, you're in church today, building up your spiritual life, saying, I need to invest in this area because your faith is going to drive everything. Now, I, I want to kind of dive into this because today's message is, it's not a lot of room for preaching. It's a lot of room for teaching. And, and if you've been around me for a little while, I might turn that teach into a preach. Y'all know the difference, right? They say that teachers tell it to you and preachers yell it to you, all right? <laughs> and uh, I, could, I could do that today, all right? But take some notes with me. Take some notes with me. Let's define stress. We're, we're helping you to differentiate between anxiety, stress, and even trauma, even though quite often they're all lumped together or you could be, uh, could be dealing with all of them at the same time. But stress is the pressure weight, and burden associated with life. 
Quite often, anxiety is, is something that is in an internal warning system that's telling you something needs to be worked on outside of you. So when you're anxious, sometimes you're anxious for good things. Sometimes you're anxious for bad things. Your anxiety is a warning system. It's telling you, hey, this is important. Can I tell you, today, I was so anxious about getting up here. And you say, well, uh, are you, do you struggle with anxiety? Every single Sunday, I stand right there and my body screams, this is important. This is important. Don't mess it up. <laughs> I added the last part. But that's what my body says to me. But that's, that's an internal thing that God's designed for all of us to have. It's not always a negative. You have to learn how to develop it into a positive. It's a positive thing that I'm excited about coming up here, right? It's not a negative thing. It's a, it's an, it's a God-designed thing to tell me it's a big deal to help people to go to heaven, right? It's a big deal. And so you have those moments. But then stress quite often isn't an internal thing. Stress is an external thing. That's putting pressure on your lives. Now, I gave you just a very easy, simple definition. Let me take you to the Bible real quick. Show you how some of the biblical leaders described this kind of weight. We're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's going to be on every screen in every room. It says, we do not want you to be uninformed, One Hope Church, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under stress. We were under great pressure. There were some external things far beyond our ability to endure. And the Apostle Paul said it got so heavy that we despaired of life itself. That he thought, maybe I won't make it. Today, I need to just say this to you at the beginning of the message. I think some of you have been carrying things that have left you in a place of despair. That if you're open, you can offload them today. Through the help of a, a faith in Christ and a great doctor, you can take some steps that will lead you into joy and life like you've never had before. But listen to how the psalmist describes the same idea, but he kind of shifts it very positively right at the end. He says, as pressure and stress bear down on me. That's kind of like they're tightening down the screws, Right? As pressure and stress bear down on me, he turns it and says, I actually find joy in God's commands. He said, like, the reality is that there is pressure and stress in all of our lives. And if we aren't careful, it keeps bearing down and keeps piling on, keeps getting heavier and heavier and heavier in our lives. Or you begin to find joy, like the psalmist says. You begin to find that God's principles teach you how to offload stress. That God's principles allow you to live a lighter life. Now today, I think it's no secret. I, it's quiet in here because we all feel stress. You don't even need me to convince you that it's real because you came in with the car that was broke down or the job that you're on the fence about or the sickness. We've all got the things that are bearing down. But... I want you to know that the American Institute of Stress, which is kind of amusing that we actually have one of those things. I was like, yeah, that's a real thing. Like, they, they rate states. I thought, man, this is not fair. Like, you're going to say, this is the least stressful state. This is the most. Y'all want to know what the least stressful state in the United States is? Montana. That's why I always mention it to you. I'm like, it's wide open. There are no people there. <laughs> Most of your stress has to do with people. 
Don't look at them. Keep looking forward. Some of y'all, some of y'all like trying not to laugh. <laughs> I, I see you. <laughs> see, this is a two-way deal. I get to see you while you see me. You know what the most stressed state in the United States is? Do you want to guess? Anybody? Anybody want to guess? Louisiana. You didn't know that you were living in the pressure cooker, did you? You didn't know. Some of the most common causes of stress, this is not going to be on screen, this is just for fun. I thought I would encourage you with some common causes of stress. The first and most common is what we call survival stress. We all kind of, we, we're, we're introduced to this very, very quickly. It's just like to, to find food, clothing, and shelter. Like, like, can I make ends meet? Can I get a job? Can I, can I buy a car? Can I, can I, can I eat this week? Right? Is there going to be enough food? Some of you were introduced to survival stress at a very early age because uh, there was just a, a food insecurity in your family, your home. You, you didn't know where the next meal was going to come from. We all, we all face survival stress. Some of us face it earlier than others face it, but it's a reality in our lives. The second one I already mentioned to you is what we call societal stress. It's just people, people and the issues it's dealing with people and politics and history. And when people say, well, we've just always done it that way. Well, if we've always done it that way and it's hurting people, then maybe we ought to change. Can I get an amen, right? If we've always done it that way and we've alienated some people, how about we change? Can I get a better amen in this church, right? right? There, there's some things in our lives and our society that, that increase stress on some and decrease stress on others. And I think what we need to recognize is that all of us deserve a society that helps everybody get up, that helps everybody to be stronger, that makes a way for each person to be all that God has created them to be. The third most common cause of stress is what I just like to call sinful stress, sinful stress. And that is where you or somebody you love made some poor choices and either their sin or your sin is affecting your life. Do you realize that as a Christian, you can do the right things, you can be godly, you can live the right way, and someone else's sin can affect your life? And so sometimes the problems and the stress that you feel aren't your fault. Can I just help you, some of you? Some, some of it's not your fault. It's, it's other people who've made those decisions, but the reality still is that we have to deal with sinful stress in our worlds. When I was looking at the statistics of Montana versus Louisiana, I said, well, why, why is Louisiana's stress so much more than Montana's stress? And then I realized very, very quickly as we have another storm out in the world, right, that storms exacerbate the survival stress in our lives, right? Every year, it's like, is this the year? Right? And, and all of us, if you've been here for any amount of time, you say like, wow, wow, that's a reality. It is. But I want you to know that I have seen the faithfulness of God in the midst of storms. I have seen the faithfulness of God show up in the middle of Hurricane Ida. I've seen the faithfulness of God in provision that came after. And so I need you to know that though that is a real stressor, God is still faithful in the midst of those situations. Storms certainly make things worse. And then can I just add one more why Louisiana might be in the highest stress level? Because we got lots of opportunity for sin around here, y'all. Come on, let's be honest, right? You don't have to go far to find something you should not be doing, right? 
Somebody said, like, what's the deal? What's the deal with New Orleans? And I said, the deal? What do you mean? Like, because they, the, they think the whole city is Bourbon Street. People aren't from here. It's like, how do you live? Well, I don't live on Bourbon Street. I mean, it's amazing to me. One of my friends, when he heard that I was going to be planting a church in New Orleans, he's like, how are you going to do that? He was from Oregon, like the second least stressed state. I said, you know what? God equips and designs people for certain times and places. The Bible says, and it's not on screen, that God picked the exact times and places you and I would live so that perhaps we would reach out to him and find him and live in him. Listen, yes, yes, there are stressors all around us, but God, God has made you strong enough. And he has given you shoulders to withstand the pressure and the stress that is around you. As the psalmist goes on to say, in my distress... I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me. And what did he do? He set me free. Can you read that? Come on, keep it on screen. All, every voice in the room. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. Do you have to carry what happened to you seven years ago today? Do you have to live with the abuse that happened when you were a child? No, you don't have to live and carry the stress of life every day. You have to deal with it. You have to go to the commands of God and, and see how the commands of God actually bring that freedom to your life. Literally, and it's kind of like clockwork when I'm developing a message that someone that week will present an opportunity that just fits right in the message. A friend of mine called and asked if I would stop by and I, and I was available to stop by and so I did and, and, and we were talking about some of the things that really are stressing his life out. It's, it's societal stuff, family stuff. It's what we all have in our lives. And then somewhere in the middle of it, he said, I don't know how you do it. I said, what are you talking about? You don't know what I, he said, I don't know how you do it. How do you carry all these people? And I said, well, there's the problem. I don't carry them. And he just looked at me. I said, I carry your burdens long enough to bring them right to the Lord. And when you walk in carrying things you should not, I said, oh, 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 that doesn't go in my wheelbarrow. That goes in God's wheelbarrow. Let me show you what it looks like when we roll that wheelbarrow over here and we dump it at the foot of the cross, right? That's what, that's what freedom feels. That's what forgiveness. Where do I find forgiveness? The foot of the cross. Where do I find healing? In God's word. Y'all hearing this today. So like, he kind of looked at me and said, he says, I, I, I don't get it. I said, it's something you're going to have to learn how to do. I don't live on our society's roller coaster of stress. I have gotten off the ride and I'm standing there at the exit saying, you can get off too. Y'all seeing what I'm saying to you? Don't get me wrong. We are here for you to help you to find that healing and that freedom. We're going to care for you. We're going to affirm you. We're going to rescue you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to do all the things that God tells us to do. But I need you to know that no person's shoulders are big enough to carry your stress. If you aren't Able, you can't imagine that anyone else is able. 
to help you to do this, I want to go straight, straight to the Word of God again. And as I said, I want to teach you out of Psalm 23 how to offload stress in your life. Psalm 23 provides us with a tremendous blueprint for reducing stress. David outlines what I call seven stress-busting habits. Anybody interested in this? Like they just kind of, they make you happier and healthier. You need to write that down somewhere. Like if I do these things, they'll make me happier and healthier. Let's read Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, come on church, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever, forever. I want you to take some notes with me because I want to teach you through Psalm 23, seven stress-busting habits. Number one, if you're going to do this well, you're going to have to depend on God to meet your needs. The psalmist says, very first and second verse, right? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I have all that I need. There is something about depending on God rather than depending on other people. It's so easy today to put your trust in other people to meet your needs, your spouse, your church, your friends, and so on. But that's also a constant source of stress because I don't know about you, if you can't carry it, neither can they. And so when you're looking to them to be the basis for your security and your survival, then you're asking something of them that you can't do yourself. Think about it. The psalmist says, no, 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 the Lord is my shepherd. Listen, I, I, I recognize that here in New Orleans, One Hope Church, I, I am your pastor. I get it. But I, we have a, a greater shepherd, right? We have the Lord that we all look to. And the pastors on our staff are those who've just been walking with God longer and have figured out some of the steps to help you to take. We are not your answer. God is the answer. Amen, everybody? And so you have to depend on God. When you realize that God will meet every one of your needs, it kind of calms you down. I don't know about you, but have you ever taken stock just for a few moments? Looks like most of you have been eating pretty well lately. That was not an insult. But you all went to like that was some sort of like, no, it's not. You look well. You look healthy. The God that fed you yesterday is the God that'll feed you tomorrow. Amen, everybody? He'll do it. I, 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 we've got to get back to realizing that he is never going to disappoint you. Now, I didn't say that he was going to give you everything you want when you want it. He is not a celestial Santa Claus. He's not standing up there and saying, I'm just going to throw Skittles at him every day. That's not what he's going to do. He is interested in our character more than our comfort. And he is allowing us to live this life for a short season so that we will learn how to depend on God for everything. I'm going to put a verse on screen, Philippians 4, 19. Would you all read it aloud, not a soft? Come on, together it says, 
And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. How many needs? In your mind, when you start trying to make ends meet, you need to put at the top of your list. And my God shall supply. God, you've been faithful in the past. You'll be faithful in the future. That raise isn't dependent upon that boss. That raise is dependent upon your character and the grace of God. You're hearing this, right? So quit looking to man to be the answer. Look to God. It's a beautiful thing. I've got seven of these that I've already said, so I've got to keep on going. Number two, the psalmist tells us that we should obey God's instructions about rest says, he makes me lie down. He what? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Why does he have to make you? Because we're all out there trying to fix it on our own. And he said, no, no, no. I got green pastures and quiet waters. Go take a nap. I remember when my children were real young, there were moments where it was just like, I need you to go to sleep right now. And we're at one point where, where you know, it's like, you know, different times, mom would, Amber would get to that point where she was like, I, I can't do it, you do it. And I would go in there and I'd lay them in the bed and I'd, I'd firmly hold my hand, <laughs> you not getting up, you know, and you're not getting out of that bed. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. Don't lift your head up. Have anybody done this? I'm here for you. You're important to me. You're good enough. You're smart enough. And doggone it, people like you. But you're not getting out of the bed. You're going to sleep right now. That's God for some of our lives. He's coming along saying, you're exhausted. You're stressed. You're overwhelmed. And I'm trying to tell you to take some time along some green pastures and some quiet waters. So much of the stress you face comes from being in a hurry and working too much. Today, I need you to hear this, that rest is the antidote to the stress that's in your life. And if you'll rest, you'll actually increase your strength to handle the stress that you have to handle. But if you're not going to rest, then you're going to run out of the energy and the strength that you need. And, and all actuality, the day begins when it gets dark. We think the day begins when the sun comes up. That's actually not true. In Jewish culture, they understand that Sabbath begins at the dark. That, so, so God said, you're going to rest before I ever ask you to do anything. So the first part of your day, God said, I want you to sleep. I want you to recharge. I want you to fill up. We've got to get to doing this again. And I think it's why God put it in the Ten Commandments. To remind us that we need a Sabbath. We've got some old school folks that think Sunday is the only Sabbath that's possible. Y'all know that Sunday is not a Sabbath for me. By the time I get home and our team gets home after after setting up and taking down this gymnatorium, I'll tell you what, we're all ready for a nap. We've got to get back to, regardless of which day you honor, having a day that you say, that day is God's. And what I do on that day is rest my body. I refocus my spirit by taking time in worship. And I renew my emotions by maybe taking part in some sort of recreational activity. 
These are some of the simple things that you do, but you, you sometimes when you have too much stress, you need a recreational activity to focus your mind. Can I just be honest with you on Friday? Friday's my Sabbath, by the way. Our, our staff works Sunday through Thursday. Friday's, fr- Friday's my, my Sabbath. Saturday, we take care of kids and home and family. But Friday is really great because we drop the kids off at school and then we can like day date. It's nice, you know, it's a beautiful thing. But Friday, I just had so many things. I said, you know, I think I'm gonna go work in the garage because every day I don't build things, but I enjoy making and fixing things. And for four hours, I exhausted myself. And all I did was tinker and do something that was recreational. And at one point, Amber said, hey, I'm going to the mall. That's, that was her recreation for Friday. <laughs> and I said, I think I'm going to stay and I'm keep doing this. Because at the end of the night, I slept so well because I had worn myself out, not worrying about the world and the pressures and the things, but recreating. You're hearing this? Some of us have to get back to doing those things. Number three, can we keep on going? Oh, let me give you the verse. Hebrews 4, 9 says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for God's people. There, there is. There is still rest available is what I'm saying. Most nights, there's, uh, there's about 10 hours of darkness. You've got time to sleep. Number three, the psalmist says that you should recharge your soul with beauty. He goes on to say, same verse that I read you a moment ago. He makes me lie down. Where does he make me do it? Green pastures and peaceful waters. That's where you renew your soul. I want to kind of get back to looking at the beauty of all that God has created. I think some of us, something we, we start living in this little, this, what we call like the, the cement jungle. Like we're living in the city and we're looking at buildings. Sometimes you got to get to where you can see beyond the buildings. You can actually see the stars again. Almost every single day, Amber and I take a walk together. It's really good for our marriage. And we walk to the lake and we look out and the lake, it's 24 miles across. So I can't see the other side. There's something powerful at looking at something that's bigger than any of us could have ever created and saying, look what God has done. There's something beautiful about doing this. And I want to encourage you to, to start recharging yourself. When we we look at Psalm 23, it's one of the reasons why I think it's the most beloved psalm. It's because we can visualize what he's talking about. We can actually see it. We can see the lush meadows. We can see the calm lake. And I actually think that's one of the most beautiful things about New Orleans. Is that we got so much humidity around here that everything stays green all year long. Anybody sweating right now? Y'all not, but I am. How do you get more beauty in your life? How do you increase beautiful things to look at? Well, you start your day with God, not media. You know that the first seven minutes of your day sets your mood? So what do you do in the first seven minutes? I'm I'm like a beeline to caffeine in the Bible. Caffeine makes the Bible better, or Bible makes caffeine better. I don't know. How about starting... How about starting with good news rather than bad news? How about intentionally putting beauty around you, surrounding yourself with pieces of art and music that that inspire you? My kids are discovering music playlists and we share them. It's very, very amusing to accidentally play my son's playlist when I think I want worship music. But I realize that he's inspired by music. Y'all hearing this? 
We need more of this in our lives. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, yet God has made everything for its own, everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. God has given you beautiful things. Will you look at them? Will you step away from the screens and the tragedies and set your eyes on the grandness and the greatness of our God? It's a stress-busting habit to get outside and get a little vitamin D from sunshine in your life. It's healthy for you to take walks and do this. I got to keep on going. Number four, the psalmist says that we need to go to God for guidance. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for the sake of his name. The most common source of stress in your life is indecision. People say, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, pastor. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Today, I want to encourage you that, that you're right where God wants you to be right now. And all you have to do is say, God, you lead my heart and my life, and I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. He will lead you. All you have to do is surrender that where you are now is where God has you. He's big enough to deal with our mistakes. The Proverbs 29 and 18 says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. It, you listen, we got to stop running wild. We got to just come back to what, what the Bible actually says. This is uh, one of my personal pet peeves. Can I just be honest with you? How many people call themselves Christians, but don't actually read and follow what the Bible says? Can I just help you guys for just a moment? The part that says that he forgives you, saves you, and has heaven prepared for you. You know where we find that? In the Bible. The reason you want salvation and forgiveness is because of what it does in your life. It offloads some serious stress, right? It offloads some serious guilt. But I want you to know that the verses that say that are in the Bible. And so if you're going to believe those verses, you got to believe the verses about your sexuality. You got to believe the verses about your money. Come on, somebody. You got to believe the verses that say about all the other things that you say, well, I don't really need that. When I was a youth pastor... We would say when we met a, a person that was in college, when we met them, we would know they really got saved when their, when their wallet got saved and their pants got saved, y'all. <laughs> we need to start going to God for guidance. I knew I was going to run out of time today. <laughs> Number five, the psalmist says, trust God in the dark valleys. Even though I walk through the valley, the dark valley of death, because you are with me, I fear no harm. Your rod and your staff give me courage. Listen, I don't know what dark valley you're walking through right now, but I need you to know that God has not left you. He's not forgotten about you. He's not distracted. You're not last on his list. He cares about you. He's thinking about you. You're hearing this today. We all go through dark valleys in our lifetime and we lean toward one of two responses. It's either grief or fear. And grief, when you go through hardship, grief is a godly emotion. You need to grieve. We've got plenty of messages around here that are trying to help you to learn how to, to grieve well. But listen, you can't live in fear. You've got to learn how to let that thing go. 
Proverbs 3 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You've got to trust God again. You've got to trust that he's going to show up for you. Number six, let God be your defender. I know we're all facing higher levels of criticism, but the psalmist says, you prepare a banquet for me while my enemies watch. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Listen, you don't need to answer your critics. Let God answer them. Sometimes just being quiet does better than saying anything at all. I'm just not responding. By the way, I just need to say for those of you who think like, like social media is not where we work out our issues. Social media is where I high five and say, that looks awesome. Your life looks great. I know you're pretending, but it looks great. I'm so excited for you. And I look at motorcycles. That's all I say, okay? Somebody said, how come you like everybody's photo? If I follow you, I like you. And unless you really do something stupid. Also known as not wearing enough clothes. I don't unfollow you immediately. I just mute you. So ain't nobody got time for that, right? Y'all here? Y'all with me today? Listen, there are all kinds of critics. You got to move past. You got to let go of trying to defend all those things. You got to let go of trying to write the world in one tweet. Luke 21, Jesus said, make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Just trust God. Number seven, we're going to wrap up today. Number seven, the psalmist says that we should expect God to finish what he started. He ends the psalm by saying, certainly, goodness and mercy will stay close to me all the days of my life. And I will remain in the Lord's house for days without end. If you notice, I gave you multiple translations of the same psalm. And I think some of you ought to, you ought to pull up Psalm 23 and read it in every English translation. And something will illuminate in every verse differently for you. You're like, oh my gosh, all the days of my life? Listen, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. See, another reason we face so much stress is that we fear the future. We're always asking, what if? We tend to look at our future and expect something to go wrong. Or we look to our future and say, certainly goodness and mercy will stay close to me all the days of my life. You're hearing this right? You either look at your future and say, more bad's coming. Or you look at your future and say, come on, look what the Lord has done already. I walked through that dark valley and survived, right? I've been eating well. I've been surviving well. I know that it was hard, but God brought me through. Every storm that comes our way, yes, it's hard, but God will bring you through and you can offload the stress and you don't have to let that in, be ingested and get into your life. You don't have to walk around with three backpacks. You can offload the wheelbarrow. You can offload it in your life. And as we close today, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you bow with me in prayer as we close? With every head bowed and every eye closed, today, 
the best way to offload stress is to give your life to Jesus. To surrender control. That's what it means. When he becomes Lord and Savior, he saves you, but he has to be Lord. And Lord simply means that you've surrendered control, the decision-making control. You've surrendered it to God. Today, if you've been making the decisions and you've been living with lots of stress, how about you surrender to God and offload the stress and allow Him to call the shots? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you need to surrender for the first time or maybe surrender again, would you whisper these words? Say them right after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.